Hello Warriors, how are you guys doing this evening? Uh, this is Latrice Carter with Horror Movie Warriors and tonight, tonight is um, March the 18th, 2022 and I am discussing IT Part 2, the 1990 version, not the, not the Chapter 2 uh, uh, of the 2019 version, but the 1990 IT Part 2. Um, and with me tonight on uh, discussing this great uh, miniseries is actually the first, the cast from from the first time that we did this. Uh, we did, um, me, Jamila, and Constance did part one back in 2020, November 2020. And they're with me again, but we have two more um, uh, guests with us tonight. Uh, Kevin Stevens and Richard Moyland. Hello, fellas. Say hi uh, to the listeners. Greetings. And uh, Latrice, if it's okay, I'd like to make uh, two introductions of my own. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We have some co-stars with us tonight. Yep. <laughs> one is uh, my daughter, Lily, and the other one is my son, Jonah. Hello. I'm so happy that they are here with us. I, I you know, I... I I do like to hear, uh, you know, uh, young people's opinions, especially about this movie. I, I would love to hear, the, hear, hear their opinions. I can't wait to get to them. Um, uh, um, guys, it part two is just a continuation of part one, of course. So, uh, uh, and uh, oh, I didn't get the chance to, oh, Constance and Jamela, say hello to the um, listeners. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and, okay, so what do we think about part two? Because we know we love part one, of course, and part uh, part two is a continuation of part one. So, uh, Jamela, what do you think of part two? How Do you think that it stood up to part one, or did you think that it lacked a little bit, or what did you think? Um, I like part two. Um, I, it was lengthier to me. Um, I don't know if it was literally lengthier in time, but maybe at some times I think the story lagged a little bit, so maybe it just seemed lengthier, but I really like part two, and I'm always a huge fan of closely they match up the um, younger versions to the older versions of the right. characters, and I, at any time a movie does that well, it just excites me. So I think that they did a really good job with the matchups of the uh, yeah. uh, adults with the teens or the precincts. Yeah, and uh, uh, Constance, how about you, hon? What do you think? I grew up with it, chapter one and two. I'm a fanatic. It's what started me in killer clowns like honestly this movie started me in loving right and you said that the last time too yep and so i mean i have the i have the 1990 dvd version as well as the new ones chapter one and two because i love it all that much and it's just excited for me to talk about it tonight because it is like one of my all-time favorite clowns so yeah, and, uh, and Kevin, how about you? How do you um uh, like part two? Well, since you weren't here for part one, might as well uh, tell tell us how you like both of them. 
you know, because like, well, like I said, part two is kind of like a continuation of the first one. So, um, I think one of the best villains ever shown in um, yeah. a movie, especially made for TV. Wow. Uh, yeah. One of the best villains ever was Pennywise, and the way I mean, no, no offense to the new guy, but Tim Curry, he was mm-hmm. he was a terrifying clown because he looked like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, and then he ate you. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, well, he really didn't eat them, eat them. He just ate the juices that were produced by their terror. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's even scarier in my book. <laughs> um, right. If, if I can um, comment on that. Um, like, um, the, the new movies, it did a really good job at being, like, you know, scary clowns. But not as much as like, you know, like you want to act, if it it is it, then you want to actually like lure the kids in and then kill them. You don't want to scare them off, which I feel like the um, original did a lot better job. Like the new one is really good at being scary, but not as much as like, you know, alluring to little kids. Well, new new movie makers, are kind of lazy by comparison because they tend to go for the jump scare. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that is yeah. used a lot in, in just any new horror movie. Yeah, as opposed to building that terror. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The way they built the terror yeah. in um, episode, well, part one of it, of the discovery of this God knows how old thing um, feeding on children in that town and the town becoming a part of it and and yeah. ignoring, I mean, it's like we don't talk about Bruno, we don't talk about it <laughs> it, can <just laughs> do it can just do these things and the town just moves on like nothing ever happened after that what, seven year period? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, every yeah. Time. Also, like, I feel like it, um, it actually died I mean, there's evidence that he didn't even actually die after the after chapter two, like in other books, you know, like I, I don't. Yeah, Agassiz, you said that same thing last last time. Yeah, there was like there was spray painted on a wall, Pennywise is back. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't think he ever really died. Yeah, Agassiz was saying like, something like that last time. Well, and here's the thing about it. Stephen King had a thing where he would hint around in other books, if you read really closely in his other books, that the entity, it himself, can never die. In fact, if he is defeated, he can only come back because there is always fear from somebody else. So it's just gotten to that point where... I noticed that in all the other books, so I agree. I mean... It is a driving force you cannot kill. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, but like, if it ever managed to somehow die, then like, I feel like Derry would like eventually like just snap out of it. Like, like the loser pup did when they came back to Derry as, Derry, Derry as, a, as <laughs> adult, 
and like how they just snapped back i feel like they would like snap out of the whole trance and be like oh my god we've been absolutely terrible people this whole time we've been ignoring these Now, people dying you know just stuff like that's that. an interesting take i just want to add here i recently listened to the book and, and uh, at the end when they kill pennywise yeah. the town like starts like blowing up yeah so i feel like started it collapsing on itself I feel like if it ever did permanently die, the whole town of Derry would just implode. Or just, like, everyone would move out and it would be a ghost town because none, like the losers did, they, they all moved out because they wanted to have nothing to do with it. I mean, that too, oh, yeah. when they killed Pennywise, like, sewer grates started flying out, the yeah. world was torn apart, like, it was like, yeah. yeah, it was the whole thing. When they killed Pennywise. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Right. And uh, Richard, well, your kids are having here having their say, but how about you? How how do you feel well, about it? Well, I I agree that there were parts of a part two that lagged. Um, oh yeah. But on the whole, I thought it was I thought it was well done. Uh, Pennywise, Tim Curry's performance as Pennywise in both parts was just fantastic. It was fantastic. There, there are a couple of scenes, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it later. That uh, I thought. Oh yeah, was, yeah. He, he, he had his moment, and he was just—he took the ball and he ran. And Jamal, I don't know if you remember um, the last time that we had talked about it. You had said how um, how uh, Jonathan Jonathan Brandis's um, his. Uh, role was so strong as the leader and stuff we, and we talked about that and then you said that how um uh the adult version didn't really kind of live up to Jonathan uh, how strong Jonathan was well you know what I've been, I've been watching um the uh, movie it, it, it's streaming free on Tubi for anybody who wants to know <laughs> so I didn't even have to watch my DVD I just put it on Tubi but but i've been um but you know what i actually disagree with that i think that richard thomas actually did uh very well in the you know as the adult version of bill debro De De i think he really really uh was just as strong as jonathan brandis now and and you know uh, jonathan brandis was a very strong bill played him a strong child yeah the actor oh, yeah, yes he just, was one thing you just mentioned the trees and, and, and what you thought about now jonathan brandis as bill he was the unquestioned leader of the losers yes no and yeah jamela said that same thing kids. When they're adults in part two, you don't. I, I personally, I did not get that feeling. I, I get the feeling that Bill was still the leader of the group, but not as strong as when they were kids. Like leader of the friend group, maybe, but like yeah. like the way how like he just brings everyone together, you know, as adults back to Derry. I feel like he was more. Yeah, well, Mike was more of a leader than, yeah. than Bill was. I don't know why I remember this specific line, but there's like a moment in the book when they're at the restaurant, and then like Mike asks Bill something, and then yes. the narration is like, "It was at this moment when Mike stopped being the leader, and the reins were handed back to Bill, or something like that." Mm. Mm. 
And it's been forever since I've read the um, book, so yeah, I, mean, I can't I can't even speak on the book because I don't remember it because it's been that long since, yeah. since I've read it. But um, uh, well, let's hop into some questions here, guys. Um, uh, uh, Kevin, we'll start with you um, for this one. Who was your favorite character? Who was your favorite loser? <laughs> Quote unquote. Who was your favorite loser? I asked the girls this. Um, uh, last time, so I'll ask you guys, ask you and Richard, who is your favorite Mike. loser? Mike had an amazing arc um, simply because he didn't have the luxury of forgetting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it gave him, I think, a little more power. And I think it made him a stronger character because even if Bill was supposed to be the leader, you could only do so much leading with amnesia. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. So um, I've always viewed Mike as the leader just because of his strength, that he survived and chronicled everything about it and wasn't driven crazy by it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Richard, same question. Uh, who is your favorite quote-unquote loser? Um, I agree about Mike. I agree with that, but, you know, because he, he said it when they were uh, having their first initial little meeting. He said, you know, their, their parents decided who stayed and who left. Mm-hmm. And he stayed. Good. Like was mentioned, he chronicled everything. Didn't you know? Didn't forget. Um, but yeah, I, I will agree with that about what was said about Mike. My personal favorite though is Eddie, mm. because Eddie stood up to Pennywise twice, right? Both times. Both times, you know, he, he got him in the face with his uh, with his inhaler. With his oh, battery acid. Yeah, we don't know, you know whether or not they work twice. Wink, wink, not twice. Yeah, right. He, um, yeah, he, he had the, the 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 guts, the whatever, to, and he stood up to that monster twice. Yes, he did. So he did. We got to give Eddie his props for that. And uh, Jamila, who was your um? Now, because we discussed who our favorite loser was in the um, in the first um, uh, podcast that we did. So, as adults, who was your favorite quote unquote loser as adults? Um, my adult favorite was Ben. Um, he was just, I know he was very different as an adult. You know, he kind of, he, mm-hmm. he matured. I mean, obviously, physically, he changed a lot, right? Right. Um, which was intentional about his character. But there was a different maturity in in him that I liked as an adult. Um, and it probably helps that John Ritter was the adult, you know. He yeah, actually, he's very outstanding guy. He just, he's, he's a favorite person to watch. But um, I really, I really like With no comedic thrust in his character with no comedic thrust that was i think that that was just so brilliant because you know we're always looking for the comedians to 
to take their jabs, right. right, and to throw their lines in. But he did a very good job of being a very serious character. Um, and he really stuck in that role very, very well. And I just liked his, I liked the banter between him and Beth that was kind of, it was there, but it wasn't there. Um, so right. my favorite adult. Mm-hmm. And Constance, how about you? Same question. Who is your favorite adult, uh, quote unquote, loser? Just because it takes a lot of strength when you lose somebody in your life to move on. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of endurance to know that they're gone, but they're not always gone. They're within your heart. So I've always loved Bill as an adult because even though he may have not been a strong leader for the group, he still had qualities to be a good leader because of the fact that he lost his brother, Georgie. He had fought his hardest to make everyone believe that Georgie was not murdered. I mean, you know, like, everyone thought he disappeared, but he was trying to explain. He went, you know, he, he, I know where he went. Please, just believe me. And so, I mean, I, he, he has a strong character persona in the new one and in the older one as well because all he is trying to do is trying to find justice for his little brother and in the end it just it was sad when he truly found out that his brother was gone that he wasn't alive anymore so i've always had this thing for bill so well my uh, i have two actually favorite characters um uh, that I just really, really love um, in part two. Uh, one of them is Mike. Mike, Mike is um, one of my favorite characters, adult characters, uh, because um, as children, my favorite character was Richie. But as adults, M- Mike and Bev are my favorite because uh, it's Mike, for the same reasons that uh, Richard and Kevin have said, uh, he kind of took the reins of being yeah. the leader uh, just because, you know, he was he was the one who, uh, you know, stayed. He stayed there so he could never forget what happened. And he called them all, all of, all of them. He got their phone number somehow and called every single one of them and asked if they would come. And and then Bev is my favorite because of her strength. She had so much strength. It, she had more strength than she thought that she had. And I just um, really, really felt a connection with Bev because of her strength. Uh, uh, Richard, does, does your kids have a favorite loser? I think they do. Hold on one second. Um, well, so, I wouldn't say Bill, but I, I think, um, um, it, it, it's a, kind of for the opposite reason, uh, no, for the same reason that you're saying is your favorite, it is why I kind of don't like him, like, he had all the perseverance to, you know, go after his brother and try to save him. But I think at some level, 
it was kind of arrogant uh, of him. Uh, no, not if ignorant, ignorant of him um, to keep doing it, and like how so at, at a lot of points he just kept going after that one goal of his brother, which you know he. He's he's dead, and, and, but well, the other people. Well, even if he, even if George might have not been dead, there was he most likely was. While the other people that he loved, his friends, were alive, and he knew that as a fact, and they were right there, and he left them behind at some point to try to go after George, and like, I just feel like that was kind of. Ignorant of him, but um, that my my favorite would probably be Mike, be, just because of the way he did, you know, lead the group and um, it, m- most of the reasons people have already said. <laughs> right. <laughs> and your son, does he have a favorite? I really like Adult Stanley. He just did so much. Like, there's no confident way to overstate his contribution. Right. He never lost a deal while he was doing it. Oh my god. Seriously, though, I'd probably say Eddie. Yeah. Alright, now we go on to your least favorite character. Who is your least favorite? Uh, 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 Jamila, who is your least favorite character in part two? Although we probably have the same least favorite, we all probably have the same least favorite character in part two. I mean, between Stan <laughs> and between Stan and Bev, for me, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Bev just didn't do it for me. She she didn't do it for me. Um, she, she did it for me as a child. I liked her, um, you know, in the younger world, but she just didn't do it for me as an adult. She was very, but I know why, obviously. She was very just kind of uh, obviously overcompensating for her childhood with her father and everything. And right. The husband and just the way that she was. She was very, she just seemed like she was on the edge all the time. Between her and Stan, I mean, but but you have to have characters like that in a group of friends, right? You have to have a Stan. There's, there's a guy right. that is just kind of, he's in the group, but he's not really in the group. You know, he's committed, but he's uh, not yeah. really committed. You know, yeah, it's he's like, yeah. He doesn't really, it, yeah, so you have to have that. You yeah, know, it was like he had one foot in and one foot out. Yeah, and, and that's okay. You're going to have friends like that. So, I mean, he was a necessary character, but obviously just, right. you know. An afterthought. He was necessary, <laughs> but kind of unnecessary too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's my tie between the two of them. Yeah. And, and Constance, who is your um, least favorite character in part two, of uh, the 1990 version of it? I mean, as a kid, I liked Richie because I liked his, you know, his just humor. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I just felt like he decided to use humor in the most inappropriate of times yeah. during the film. And it's like how everyone was taking it seriously when Mike had called them. It's like, he, 
the first thing he does is panic and to mask his fear. So I definitely, it just rubbed me the wrong way with Richie as an adult. As a kid, I can understand. As a kid, you are going to be a clown and that's a given. But when you grow up, you got to know when to stop joking. So. Right, right. And and even, uh, well, if you remember in part two, he wasn't really even, I mean, he did have some one-liners, but yes. he was scared. Bad ones. <laughs> I guess that bad ones. <laughs> yep. But he was scared. I, I mean, uh, that's why I didn't really do like him in part two. I'm like, wait a minute. In, in part one, as a child, you were like, ready to do this like come on let's you know bill's you know bill you're gonna lead us and we're gonna get the bad guy but but as an adult he was like oh wow wait wait a minute wait a minute we can't do this he's he's like bad girl what do you want an adventure count me out you know so that that was why i didn't i'm with you constance he was my least favorite character well, and I, one of them. I, I think the one line, though, that gets me with Richie as a kid was from the newer movie. And they're all down there. It is like, it's a final showdown with it. And all you see him do is pick up, pick, just pick up a weapon off the ground. And he's like, you made me go through this. You made me do this. Now I got to go kill, kill me a fucking clown. <laughs> that is my favorite line, actually. <laughs> yeah. That, is, that was my favorite line of um, the 2017. Uh, and uh, um, Richard, how about you? Uh, who was your uh, least favorite character um, in um, either one, either in the first 1990 version of it or the on um, the second part? Which one? Oh boy. Um, okay, in the 1990 version, I'm going with Richie. Uh, bad one-liners aside, it's like this guy could not make up his mind what he wanted to do. At one point, I I, I equate him with Stan. Mm-hmm. I put him together with Stan because when they were kids, you know, Stan was like, oh, this is just not terribly possible. This is not happening, blah, 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 blah. And that's what Richie was like. Yeah. But then he just, he, he, like two minutes later, he'd do a 180. There was, a, he's sitting there like, oh, babe, honey, I love you, but you know, like, when sunlight comes on, I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, you can't, we have to stay and beat the evil. It's like, okay, I'll stay. And five <laughs> minutes later, I'm getting out of here. No, we need you. I'm staying. <laughs> Did anybody bring a machine gun? No, I'm out of here. Well, we have to do this. All right, I'm going. Well, like, make up your, dude, make up your mind. That actually shows how he was a good character. Because, you know, like, he he was, like, he was going to leave multiple times. Yeah, he was going to leave multiple times. And just that he didn't, I think, shows that he was um, committed. But, like, because the other people asked him to just showed that you know he loved them and like he didn't want them to die because they they did really need him and if he went 
then that would just make it stronger with his peer. But like with Stan, why I'm gonna, you know, he's my least favorite character. It's um, it would be because he was like Richie in the fact, hey, I'm not going. But then he actually didn't go. Like he didn't change his mind. He he didn't um take into he didn't really take in the account of hey this is gonna make it stronger and hey my friends need me he was just scared and he gave up which you know is I don't find that very good hey I I I'm with you Lily I don't find that very good either <laughs> and, and Kevin how about you who was your least favorite uh character uh either in um in part one or part two in part two um my least favorite character were all of the adult losers <laughs> um and i'll say this because when mike got by bowers right yeah the only reason that happened was because he was dumb enough to be alone knowing that there was all kinds of stuff not only was he dumb enough to be alone but his friends were dumb enough to leave him alone yeah you, you have that's you true all of this stuff and i'm not i'm not trying to rewrite stephen king's book but they took certain liberties with the screenplay that they could have paired them up or something so it could have been a better fight dealing with bowers um that being said, um, that's just my aside. I, w- I would have written it so that uh, they would have been smart enough to know their safe. I was offended that they didn't know there were safety in numbers. But that aside, my favorite person that I love to hate in um, part two was Bill's wife. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> Number one, she was a Brit, right? Yes. She she comes to America you know what? to find her husband <laughs> not even knowing what side of the road to drive on. I mean, who do you, who do you think you are? You know, Kevin, you're so you, pretty. You, you, no, you guys, you they had money. Hire somebody. <laughs> don't don't go over there. You, you now. You've been caught by the clown, and and you're just a tool to make your husband not be able to focus properly. <laughs> stay, stay home and send your money to do battle. <laughs> Don't you want it? Don't you want it? Richard, you're scaring me now. <laughs> <laughs> You sounded just like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, and Kevin, you know what? You're right because she was like a second uh, person. Because my my least uh, favorite uh, character in part two is Richie. Uh, I, I don't I don't like I don't like Richie, but uh, Audra was a close second simply because uh she didn't listen to her husband 
<laughs> she was like, she uh, stay out of dairy. You don't want to breathe the dairy air. I know. Um, <laughs> no, you don't. Right. I know you don't. Now, Richard, does your son have a least favorite character? I think he does. Yes. Adult Richie makes me so angry. I just, I, I yeah. just think yeah. so funny. Mm -hmm. I do think that indecisiveness does make him stronger as a character. I think he'd be much weaker if he was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, then, I, I agree with that. Like, he he's... But like again, I I like the part like he has resolve and, and like he didn't um he didn't leave the losers. But no, I do agree that like um yeah, he uses humor at, like like sometimes it can be a coping method. Other times it's just his inappropriate. Biggest, his biggest crime is that he's just not funny. <laughs> <laughs> As an adult, uh, well. There was this one line that that had me cracking up, uh, which that leads me to my um, next question. I had wanted to. I, I don't. I don't think I um, put this. Um, I messaged this question to you guys, but but did, does anybody have any like favorite lines uh, um, that was in it? Demelo, um, uh, uh, I'll come to you first. Uh, do you have any favorite lines that was in uh, it? Uh, um, part two at all. Um, I don't think that this was in part two. Um, well, let me go back. Two things. Mm -hmm. My favorite line, which kind of goes with the scene, but it's not really uh, just a line. I think it was just funny the way it was telling those jokes very loudly in the library while he was oh, scrolling yeah. that thing. It was so annoying, but it was so brilliant. That it, it was just, it was so, it was just so funny to me. Like, of course the jokes were super corny, yeah. but just the play on him screaming these jokes while twirling that annoying noisemaker was perfect. Yes. But I, I have to interject I'll talk this about, about that scene a little bit later. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I have to talk about my favorite line though from the poem that Ben wrote for Bev. Oh, yeah. Um, Your hair is winter fire, January ambers. And I have to say that because I made my very first email address January ambers at hotmail.com. And it is still mm -hmm. that to nice. this day. Um, that is also my name on Instagram. It's my name on Twitter. It's my name on TikTok. And it's so funny because very few people, I feel like, in the whole world even get the reference. So whenever somebody reaches out when they see that, and my birthday is in January, so I think most people look at it and they think it's because of my birthday. But then I have a few people that'll say, are you an It fan? Like, where did that come from? And that's, I just think it's really cool. So that is definitely probably, like, my favorite line, hands down, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool that you got your email address from from Stephen King's it. That, that that's just so cool to me. And, and uh, Constance, do you have a favorite line? If anything else, I really didn't find any favorite lines from the losers too much uh -huh. in the adult in the adult version. But um, like I said, if I had to pick one that was from the losers it was what i just quoted was richie staying at the end of it chapter one about him being like you know what 
You're making me go through all this stuff. Now you're gonna make me kill a fucking clown. Come on. All right. Fine. Okay. <laughs> he Bye. said, okay, let's do this. Might as well. <laughs> but definitely in the 1991, it had some more profound lines I've ever heard out of Tim Curry's mouth. Tim Curry, I love him to death. He's yeah, like Tim Curry is Tim actors. Curry, so. And I have to say, say Bill Asgard, the new one, is still phenomenal for me, too. I think he did a very yeah, he big did. He did. It he made it his own. As a scarier version of him. Mm-hmm. So, but my favorite would, I have to agree with Jamila here, it's in the library where he's just going like that on, like, like <laughs> clearly that loud noisemaker, and then the balloons with blood that start popping all over the place. <laughs> That was like my favorite scene in line, him coming up with all these jokes. I just loved it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Kevin, how about you? Do you have like a favorite line? Um, uh, very down and dirty, like three words. Kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way he looked after he said it. <laughs> I mean, because, um, again, that's that whole being alone nonsense that got Mike stabbed, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, he didn't think he was alone. That was the thing. Right. Like, he thought he was, like, that wasn't as much as the stupid. Like, Mike was just alone. He was being stupid when they knew the stuff was going on. But Mike, but, um, Ben at least thought was with Ben thought he was getting some I, <laughs> but that's that's true. Ben, was getting. ben was about to get some it and yeah. um again the whole being alone thing yes. is no <laughs> now you end up making up making out with a killer clown all right and, And, and uh, Richard, how about you? What's that your makeup on your face? <laughs> I love that touch. When he yeah. pulls away and he's got clown white on. Yeah. Yes. And then he, I love that. And then in the next scene, when he runs out back to everyone, it immediately disappears. Yeah, really I do like that. Um, my favorite um, comes at the beginning of part two when Bill has arrived in Derry. He goes to he goes to see uh, Georgie's grave. Yeah. He he hears a noise, he turns around, and there's Pennywise standing, you know, digging graves. Then he pops out and he goes, Take your pick, good, Billy boy. Except for the one on the end. That one's already been taken. Right. Yeah. I love I love that. <laughs> well, my favorite line. Of 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 uh, eighty bodies in in this um movie. Uh, even even though Richie was not my favorite person on the second one, he did make me laugh. Like when um when Eddie was trying to um tell them that he he really was a virgin. You know he hadn't slept with anybody, and uh and he said. He said, well, we can't help you with that, buddy, but thanks for sharing. 
That was my favorite line of his. I'm like, oh my oh, goodness. Oh, oh best that I'll be to fix that in the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's what I line too that he had in the whole like that was the only line I kind of really chuckled at. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, oh, and his crack about the machine gun was pretty funny too. He's like, I, I don't suppose anybody thought to bring like a machine gun or something, <laughs> as if a machine gun could really kill it anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, does do your kids have any um, favorite lines from the movie? Uh, yeah, my favorite line would definitely be um th this is going to be a really good impression of um in the library quote no um and not actually um i i was um gonna say i haven't seen the movie in a while but i do remember um liking the scene with um the graves and i again i don't I, yeah it, until he said it i didn't remember it uh, uh but no i i that is one of my um uh, i do remember liking that and yeah so that would probably be don't yeah. know what do you got i want to say the one good line adult richie had was when uh very shortly before they uh ripped out the spider heart thing mm. When uh, they're just kind of looking oh, angry, and they go, "If that thing comes back when I'm seven, <laughs> yeah." I yeah. forgot about that line too. <laughs> that line was a really good one. Yep, yep. Because it uh, if he would have came back another twenty-seven years, they all would have been in their seventies, right? Yep. Well, yeah, no, because even more because the 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 TV version changed it to thirty years on the dot. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, they would have been in their 70s for sure. <laughs> All right, so wh what was everybody's favorite scene in uh, It uh, uh, Part 2, 1990? Uh, uh, Kevin, we'll start with you uh, for this one. What was your favorite scene in Part 2? Uh, the Chinese restaurant. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it, no pun intended, it's like, okay, you guys are getting back together. You're having fun. Let's get to work and show you what you're up against. Um, because, and again, the same problem all around them. Nobody sees what's going on except them, except this time uh, they're adults and can see what they were seeing as children. But again, the adults around them can't see what's going on, but you got this little crab thing coming up there and you got, this eyeball and all these other things. It was glorious. <laughs> and after that, they were dumb enough to go off and be alone. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> right. Somebody wasn't paying attention at the typewriter when they did the screenplay. Right. <laughs> um, Stephen King tends to not be a fan of when his stuff gets to the big screen. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Although I think he's a fan of the money. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I would be too. <laughs> and Jamila, uh, what is your favorite scene in uh, It Part 2, 1990 version? 
I think my favorite scene is the library scene. Mm. It's just filled with a bunch of funny things. I, I mean, him cracking those jokes on that staircase and Richie <laughs> screaming at the librarian, what talk? You know, it's right. Just, and like, she's like, oh. uh, what's wrong with him? Like, what is wrong with him? <laughs> the balloons bursting, the people just sitting there. I, I always would think about that scene like if I was an extra how still I would be able to see <laughs> if the balloon exploded in front of me. It and wasn't you, you even about the blood. Sweat. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't even those, about the blood. It was just the balloon itself. Popping, they get, they get the face of blood. You can see some of them flinch. Right, I especially when one, one guy popped right next to him. I, guess. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him. It was just like, oh, that would have been me for sure. There's no <laughs> way I could have been still. But that, that was definitely my favorite. I had many, many favorite scenes when they were young. Those younger yeah. scenes mm-hmm. were brilliant beyond, I, I just, yeah, them were so good. But as adults, the library was my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Constance, how about you? What's your favorite scene in part two, uh, the nineteen ninety version? Well, you all, I, I already kind of explained the library scene was one of my favorites, but the one that iconically comes into my head every time I see my DVD before I put it in is the graveyard scene where he's like digging up all those graves and. With just mm-hmm. like no remorse, he just ends up like telling Bill, "Okay, which one do you want to get into? Like which one?" Mm-hmm. You know, that—that's the one that always hits my head. Is that one iconic graveyard scene? So I mean, it's just always been so. <laughs> and Richard, how about you? I have two. Mm-hmm. One is the library. Love that scene. You can tell Tim Curry is having so much fun mm-hmm. with that scene. I mean, you can see it. You, you, you see it in his face. You know, when it, when he's doing the with the noisemaker, that huge mm-hmm. smile on his face. He is loving every second of what he is doing. So uh, yeah, I love that, and I love the Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. When I when I read the book, it was my favorite scene, mm-hmm. and then. I heard that they were going to be doing the movie, and I said, like, on TV, how are they going to pull this off? Decently. How are they going to do this? Yes. But, and they surprised me with how well that scene worked out. I mean, obviously, there's only so much you can do on primetime TV. Right. But I liked what they did. I get it. Yeah. There you go. They did really well with it. I um, actually, I like, um, I like the Chinese version in the nineteen. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said that word wrong. I like the scene in the nineteen ninety version way more than I like it in, in the movie version, the two thousand nineteen version. I thought that they could have did so much more on the movie, and and they did did especially because they had better technology with CGI and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They could have done it a lot better in the movie than they did. So to me, the part um, and the nineteen ninety version did a heck of a job with it. Um, especially, and it was on TV. Mm-hmm. 
But but my favorite scene has always been when Bev goes back to her childhood home. Yeah, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite scene on the 1990 version, and it was the favorite uh, favorite scene of mine um, for the um, uh, for the movie um, as well. But for part two, for part two though. Um, because that happened in part one, um, Bev's um, um, childhood home. But in part two, I, I have to agree with Richard um, and Kevin. The Chinese restaurant, as I stated before, you know, uh, it, it just, uh, it gave you all the feels, you know. We went from happy to terrified in like moments. <laughs> So yeah, that was my that was my all time favorite all time favorite scene. Now, did anybody have a least favorite scene that they would like to talk about? Talk about? Latrice, I'm sorry, my kids haven't answered this. One. Oh, oh, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I I forgot to ask. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um. So um, I hate to sound like a broken record. Um, I hate to sound like a broken record. Um, oh my god. <laughs> my favorite scenes would also be um, the Chinese food um, and the in the library. Mainly because I, I just like the thought of like like how you can see that they're just like acting so crazy, but like you know, no one else sees it, so it just looks like some crazy people just screaming at it. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, like, same thing in the library. Like, to the people who actually were there, just this guy, like, looking at, up at the stairs and and screaming at, at things that don't exist. I, I just really like... Tell him I'll see him tonight! Yeah. <laughs> and she's looking at him like, uh, okay. <laughs> now, I'm actually, I'm going to say something different. I'm going to say the library scene from later when they're looking in the fridge and then. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was. Like, that was a good scene. I thought it was funny partially because I think, I think they wanted it to at least partially be scary, but it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, while I'm here. <laughs> When um when um when Pennywise got Bowers out of the uh, facility oh, and he oh, yeah, turned yeah. into the dog head, the dog. that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Not quite that part, but it was very funny, and I I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Like I guess that it was supposed to be scary, and like I hope but, it was but also was to me scary. like just the way like it happened, it it, it, it was just. Kind of goofy. Doghead Tim Curry was very funny to me. <laughs> well, what was your uh, least favorite scene? Because we've we've established that part two isn't really as good as um, part one. Uh, I mean, it was good. Don't get us wrong, but part one seemed to have a bit more of a better. I don't know. Uh, just better chemistry with each other, I, I guess, and better scenes, you know. But 
like for me, my least favorite part or the part that kind of made it lag for me was um the the part when when Audra was talking to Grego. You know, I didn't really I didn't see a need for that part. I, I just really didn't. And so that was one of my least favorite parts of the movie. Uh, Constance, uh, what was your um, least favorite part of the movie, if you had one at all? Shoot. Mine would probably just have been the fact that I agree with the whole everybody decides to leave Mike alone scene and lets Bowers go after him. I'm just like, you know what? I'm sorry. You guys should have learned. Okay. In chapter one, you guys learned that strength comes in numbers and it can be defeated if you are all together because you will not be fearing him because you guys are playing off each other's strengths mm -hmm. it showed way too well when he was left with bowers it was like all of a sudden i was like oh great you're gonna leave him with a psychopathic killer who had tried to kill them once already now is free and now he's gonna try to kill mike like mm -hmm. what the heck so, I mean, it was just like my least favorite scene. I, I just didn't like it. Okay, yeah, I, I understand. And, and Jamila, what was your least, uh, least favorite scene? I didn't really have a least favorite scene. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I ever really thought about my least favorite scene too hard. Okay. Yeah. the second part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Kevin, how about you? Do you have a least favorite scene in uh, it part two? Or even in it part one? Well, if I would do a least favorite scene, it would be in the newer version at the Chinese restaurant. If you're not going to take advantage with your Hollywood budget to do yeah. some good CGI, <laughs> at least have somebody at the restaurant go, and then. <laughs> no, and then. And then. No, and then. You know, just do do something funny if you're not going to do something scary run some comedy and it offset it and do it as a throwaway um that was a lost opportunity um it really was so that would be if you're going to ever remake a song if you're going to remake a movie make it better and the opportunity they had in that piece um somebody got paid too much money for that scene <laughs> They got paid too much money to write it. They got paid too much money to act on it. I would have to agree. I would have to agree. And Richard, so uh, this, is, this is your homework. You guys have to go watch Dude, Where's My Car? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I've seen it. Yep. All right. <laughs> I have I'm not, not going seen to play it. any more of your Chinese food mind games. <laughs> Now I got to go watch it, man. Oh, man. Those two make the only set look like road scholars. I know, right? No, no and then. And then. No, and then. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now I have to if go watch the movie. If you, can't, if you can't do horror in an R-rated horror movie that yep. you've been doing jump scares for all over the place, then inject comedy. And it'll it'll take your audience so mm. off base 
that when you do scare them, they'll be yeah. laughing and then be shocked out of it. Actually, I have to agree with that. Today on my podcast for my movie review, I reviewed uh, uh, Friday 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Not one of my favorites in the series, just because there's too many plot holes, the story was just all torn up from left to right. To this day, I wonder, how can a ship get out of Camp Crystal Lake into the Atlantic Ocean in record time? But I have to agree with it. It's like, who was sitting in front of the typewriter, computer, whatever, at that time, going, oh, let me just type up all this crap and then just throw it out as a screenplay. I mean, the only thing that saved that movie to me was a scene where those kids are listening to that radio, Jason comes up, kicks it, and they all try to kill him, and then he just lifts up his mask, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we're good, we're good. And they're oh, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Richard, how about you? Do you have a least favorite scene uh, in part two, I 1990 hate, version? I hate, hate, hate when you see what it really looks like. We spent three hours and change being terrified by Pennywise, right? Mm -hmm. Pennywise, one of the scariest villains Stephen King has ever come up with. We get to the end and he's a spider? (laughs) A giant spider. Well, number one, I hate um, spiders to begin with, okay? I yeah, yeah. I, I do too. This thing, this thing looks like a Tonga toy. I was about to say, it's not so much that they ended it off with a giant spider, because that could have worked. It was it's that they had the audacity to have it also look bad. <laughs> a poorly rendered spider. <laughs> with bad stop motion effects. Yep. And that that's true too. Oh my goodness! It, it, I felt so cheated. The California raisin spider. Oh my god! But but here's even, the, here's even the question King. I've always asked somebody. Okay, between the spider in 1990, okay, and the spider in the new one, which one is worse to you guys? 1990. 1990? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least the, at least the CGI for. The 2019 spider looked okay. Oh yeah, it did. It did. I gotta agree with that. It did look good. I mean, it it, it by comparison, it did look yeah. good. Stephen King himself said, has gone on record saying that he did not like how the 1990 yeah. version handled it. Mm-hmm. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think he was the one who called it. Uh, he called it a Tonka toy. Yeah, like um. What one um I I have um um a lot to say on the least favorite scene thing because like I I feel like the um nineteen nineties and the um new one are very um are are like opposites. Because, like, uh, not one of the reasons, um, the, the, the scene where Pennywise does turn into a dog, um, 
like it was so goofy and or, or like when he is in the library like i get that he feeds off fear and all that but like he had a chance to kill him like he had so many chances to kill them but i felt like some parts of it were just a little too goofy it's plot armor. yeah and also the, in the new one i felt like he was too too like not clowny like too scary or whatever like not that i was specifically more scared by it just that i felt like he didn't have enough comedy like i thought i feel like a mix of the two would be awesome where he has a sense of comedy or a sense of humor but he can also like actually do his job but without going over oh you mean tim burton yeah. i mean you mean tim curry yeah <laughs> <laughs> i see what you did kevin <laughs> and also, um, also i i agree with the very end like it was a, they build it up, they they built out the end so much, and then the ending wasn't good. Like um, the giant enemy spider. There's um a book, um, it, it it's um called the clock with a a house with a clock in its walls. They made a movie out of it. It it was pretty popular, and the book. It, the movie was very different, but the book itself was very good. But then at the very end, the with, with the whole, con I wouldn't even call it a conclusion because the main character didn't even really see the bad guy. Like the the one of the protagonists went and fought um fought the main villain like off not off screen but like where like we the protagonist we yeah we don't see it the protagonist came back and they were like hey i i beat it i did it and it was really anticlimactic and, and it just felt rushed and i feel very similar about the end of it it's just very anticlimactic for all that stuff you know the clown was scarier than the actual thing it and like is just really yeah anticlimactic yeah because you know i'd have to agree with that because you know remember when the kids were fighting him um no 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 when the adults were fighting him he was saying how you know silly boy you think you could still see me you'll never see me only what i allow you to see you're all too old so i i was thinking that maybe he was an alien from outer space or something you know like not a spider but one of those you know one of those aliens that we see like on independence day you know like you know i don't know i, I would i just was not expecting a spider that we can that they could actually run up to and just you know start pulling apart you know i i did not think that at all I was thinking something scarier. The deadlights too. Um, like I felt like the deadlights very were not done. Like right. just three, like like I don't know. It, it didn't look right. It didn't feel right. Like in in the new one, I feel like one of the things they did do right 
was the deadlight when when his skull just like opens up and really like, unhinges his jaw. Yeah, and the three floating things. Like I, I feel like that was done pretty well in the new one. It, well, it, that's the problem with making something that's a translation from a well-written book. Yeah, I mean yeah. Stephen yeah. King's books are like eight hundred some odd pages long, mm -hmm. so for it to go from a, a hefty novel to a movie or a miniseries, some stuff is not going to translate. No, yeah. Um, the texture of more justice, though. Yeah. yeah, the texture of what was Dairy slash it. I mean, Dairy was built on it. Yeah. And um, the spider was more metaphoric than it was. I mean, because as the as the spider died in the book, the town, like I said, was coming to, coming apart because so much of it was sustained on what the spider had built. And it's hard to communicate that in the movies because you don't have the time because moviegoers aren't going to put up with it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's not going to have a good climax because you. How do you end something like that visually? And I was telling my kids actually too, who um, you know, over the pandemic, where my the, my twins are thirteen, the girls are thirteen, and Trinity's nine, but they really got into Stranger Things, and I was telling them, you know, like this this mind flare here, yeah, this is what would have been a great looking version of it but yes yes jamila yes that whole that whole and, and i'm i'm late to the game so like i'm watching it now they've all watched it with my husband they've seen it all the way through waiting on I, the new season i, 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 I cannot wait like until, until may 27. yeah yeah, but yeah. that's what I was saying. Like that, I kept telling them. You know, when I first saw it, I paused it and I said, "Hmm." I said, "You do know where they got this idea from, right?" Yeah. You know, one of my twins was like, "Don't tell me it's from it." I said, "Yeah." And they were like, "Well, it's not the same." I said, "It's not about it being the same. It's about that's exactly where this idea came from." You right. That this was not completely invented off the top of somebody's head. You know, nope. they're reinventing not in the, the idea, and that's good. But they did um, it good. They did it great. They did yeah. it in a great way. Absolutely. 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 Now, um, I don't have break a little bit again, uh, because I think my least favorite scene might actually be like the actual, like the end of it. Like when he's, when Bill's got Audra on the fight, oh, it doesn't, yeah. I don't get it. Like, I like, I get his thinking, but it doesn't make any sense. Why did that wake her up? Like, okay, if a sleeping person was on the bike, and then, like, obviously she'd wake up from that. But, like, she was comatose for days. You get her on a bike on a hill, suddenly she's fine. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't get it, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Latrice, you have to do, I mean, because there are too many comedic opportunities in your podcast. So... If you have no objection, you need to do like every fourth podcast needs to be a comedic whip <laughs> on all the the weak spots in these things. Because as much as we love our work, we could have filleted this thing. I guess we yeah. could have. <laughs> we could have roasted it so yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I, I think we can all say all of us here really liked it. But 
us have said, there are some really weak points that we oh, can yeah. all most of them. Yeah, yeah. We we could have flambeed it. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this too, though, really quickly, just going back to Latrice brought up her favorite scene from, um, you know, Bev going back to the house. What I absolutely loved and appreciated about the newer version is what they did with Bev singing at the house. Okay. Oh, that was absolutely, oh, in yeah. my opinion, it was absolutely terrifying. That little old lady running in the back, and I was like, "Oh my God, oh, what's yeah. happening? Does she not have yeah. my cloak?" Just yes. the way that they elevated that entire situation because it was already scary in the '90s, right? Everybody yes. kind of older and crotchety and crotchety. Like, oh God, what's getting ready to happen here? But they really elevated that scene they did. in the newer version in a in a very terrifying way. You know, we we're in the age two of you know, just before when anything's moving really fast, you know, that that's always a, uh -huh. a red flag. Uh oh, something's getting ready to happen. So I really liked some of the scenes that they did really take their time to emphasize like that. While there may have been a little lackluster in some other things, they had some really good things going on. So you know, I, I really like that scene in the new one. I really, oh. really did. Oh, yeah. And if you go back, because I did do it chapter two back when I first started my podcast. Um, I, I want to say it was my third, it was my third episode. Uh, and um, uh, I, I had discussed it with Adrienne Garza and Miss Ingrid Hubert. And uh, that was my favorite scene. And in, in it chapter two was Bev and the woman. And it was because that old lady really, really played that part. I mean, my God. She um uh uh like when she had paused for a minute, you know, you was like you, you would think you were thinking like like what the heck what is she doing? You know, yeah. Oh oh you know what is she doing uh and or why does she stop talking you know so so yeah it, that was that to me was um uh, yeah that was a good yeah. one uh well let's move on to um let's see Let's move on to, uh, oh, do you guys think that Pennywise was scared of the losers and that's why he wanted them to leave Derry? Um, uh, Jamila, I'll start with you for this one. Do you think that that's why he wanted them to leave Derry is because it, he was scared of them or do you think that he uh, just wanted them to leave just because? Um, well, I really hadn't thought about it until I looked at your question. Um, but I mean, it, it does make sense. It, it yep. makes sense that he would be afraid of them because they, because together they are fearless, right? So right. It, it, it's okay if they're all separate, but it's different when they're together because, you know, the, the bravery kind of bounces off of each other and because that could catch on to the rest of the town. You know what I'm saying? He, the whole town fed off of his fear and the fear of what he would do. But when they were around, 
it seemed that people were getting maybe getting more curious or wanting to stand up a little bit. So sure, it 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 would seem that it, I mean any anything that's going to be a threat to you, you would be afraid of it, and they are a threat to him. So absolutely, he was fearful in that if they get back together again, if they get brave again, you know, if they do what they did last time, it could very well be the end of me. So right, yeah, absolutely. Right. And uh, uh, Richard, do you have an um, answer for the, for that one? Uh, yeah, um, there's no question he was scared of them. I mean, they beat him once. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They beat him once. Who says it was the same thing? They can't, they can't uh, do it again. That's so true. I think, though, I don't understand, well, not looking back on it as I'm saying it, and I understand why he got Henry to do kind of do his dirty work for him yeah yes. yeah uh, that's he, the, yep. said it before he said it, he said it, i can't get them if they don't believe but you you can get them if they believe don't believe or only half believe yeah um that I, and that right there i think uh illustrates one of the points that pennywise was scared of yeah um, that's why that's why he he had henry broken out of the that insane asylum because for, for all I guess I guess for all Pennywise knew you know that they could team up and do it all over again yeah uh, so I have a lot of theories about that sort of thing so I believe that it as an entity even maybe even as a species i mean we don't really know yeah it's an alien like we don't know how many even it, if it's one thing no, it's if it's one thing or just one entity i think a lot of things in just stephen king's multiverse book things going on that like it is a lot of you know like in the shining i think like the hotel personally i think that the hotel was at some level an incarnation of it like it just it and i was thinking that earlier ghosts just work in such similar ways yeah. and i think that the losers had some sort of kind or variation or just the shining, not spe not specifically like maybe not as strong as Danny, like they're not breaking basketball hoops or whatever. But, yeah, I thought yeah the, there was the one scene with the basketball that wasn't in the movie. Mm -hmm. And and, and that's a, that's another thing too. They um there were uh, a lot. There were a lot of uh, things that they could have put in 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 nineteen in the 1990 version from the book, but they chose not to. Uh, I, I guess for time and some and some of it might have been for money, you know. Yeah. That was not. But um, even so, like um, maybe they're not doing that sort of thing but i still think they have that that sort of power which is the shining and i feel like 
was it originally wanted to kill them and everything, but then eventually got scared of them and was trying to more scare them out because he knew that they could eventually um, uh, uh, overtaking killing their powers. So yeah, I do, I do very much think that it was afraid of pollution. You know what's you know what's funny about that? There is a character who is confirmed to have the shining who does make an appearance in it. Who? Uh, Dick Halloran saves Mike's dad from a fire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember that. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Which again just shows he's got to connect everything. Yeah. Every. It, um. Well. Yeah, uh, Stephen King had a knack for that, for connecting characters in his books. And that, uh, uh, in my opinion, that was genius. Yeah. And, genius. I, and I don't, I do not think at all one bit that it's just Easter eggs or whatever. Like, I think that it's just one big universe slash multiverse slash. No, I gotta agree with that. One big thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, for my answer to the question, um, I actually do want to bring up the book again real quick. Um, and several points of the book, you go into its mind. Like, you learn what it is thinking. Like, mm -hmm. you go into its mind. It, it literally says that it's afraid of them at multiple points. I just yeah. think that's, I just wanted to include that. Uh, yeah. And Constance, what do you think? Do you think um, as well, um, you know, uh, Pennywise was... He was scared of the losers, more or less. Well, let me put it this way. If you look back on the history of Derry, he went after young children. Children who was scared of just about everything because they didn't know the world. Right. I mean, in the beginning of... I mean, in the beginning, that little girl, her mom leaves her alone for, like, what, two seconds? Pennywise shows up and she's suddenly gone. And but you can see the fear in this little girl's eyes. I mean, this, and I personally think he's an entity because one, entities can take any form at any point. They're really a form of evil that can live on in many different years, ages, multiverses, dimensions. Don't take much for them to pick a favorite form, which was a clown for him. And I think he was scared of the loser club, especially oh, yeah. in the because if you go back to the first one again, like I was saying, they all come together and he starts noticing, well, crap, they're not afraid of me because they're all pushing in on each other's strength. Now these kids aren't afraid of me and they aren't doing anything but coming after me now. And he got defeated once. What makes you think that he wouldn't have thought, oh, well, if they go, if they come back a second time, they can very well do it again to me. So his whole premise of let me separate them was his way of controlling his fear, coping with yeah. his fear. And, but you know, that, that's just me. I've always done my research on it just because I'm just that type of person. Like, you know, with me and vampires, I'm the yeah. same way with entities and spirits and stuff like that. Entities are like spirits, but they 
can take any form they want at any time. It does not mean they're dead, but it does mean that they can take a form of their choosing to scare, to get what they want in the end. So definitely, I think he was scared of the Losers Club. Oh, right, right. Okay, now we're going to get uh, go even deeper. Uh, my last question is, how does Stephen King's It Part 2 pertain to the Bible? And uh, well, we lost Kevin. Kevin had to put his um, uh, had to put his kids to sleep. So good night, Kevin. I do wish that Kevin could have stayed for this question because and he's going to kill me for this. But Kevin is a pastor, and uh, and I would have loved to have him answer this question. Um, uh, and I probably still will have him um, say it maybe on the group page maybe i will do that maybe i'll ask him to um put something on the group page about it um but um uh my my answer um to this question is um well if you think about it the seven kids you know well maybe except for stan stan was kind of you know like i said before he had one foot in and one foot out but the uh yes he was yes he was he wrote yes he was just like you are uh richard yes and um he had uh i mean they all had the same mindset though they were scared but they knew that they would be the only ones that could kill kill it you know they uh, especially bill when he was younger you know bill knew that he had to kill it and that he 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 no, them, they would be the ones that could kill it. And um, I, I came across the scripture, um, uh, Philippians 1 and 27, which says, whatever happens, uh, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you, in my absence i will know that you stand that you stood firm in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel and in my opinion they stood as one against the enemy against the foe against the uh you know the enemy of our souls which is the devil they stood up against the devil and that's what I have. Uh, Jamila, I'll go to you first because I know, and don't kill me for saying this, but you're the first lady. So I am just interested in asking and knowing what you think about how it pertains to the Bible. Um, I mean, I, you know, I think it goes without saying it applies in a lot of ways, right? I think it can right. apply to a lot of scriptures, and, you know, I think that in general, it could even apply to a lot of faiths, just across the different faith walks, different religious groups. Um, I thought of the scripture, um, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, um, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's yes. the scripture that came to me um, because, you know, when they actually stopped being afraid and they realized, hey, this fear 
is something that is coming from somewhere else. You know, like we really don't have to be afraid if we just get together and we figure out how we're going to take this thing out, then we can control it. So in, you know, it, in the same way of just how we operate, you know, on a regular basis um, and just with things in life, how we approach things in life, you know, when we approach things that seem fearful, um, if we really take a moment and stop and get into the sound mind aspect of, uh, yeah. you know, what's really going on and, and we try to work through, okay, what it is, what is it that we're actually afraid of? And I think that's what happened with them. They're like, well, wait a minute, what are we actually afraid of with this thing? You know, mm-hmm. what, what is it that is actually scaring us? Is it what he looks like? Is it what he represents? You know, when you get into that, then I think that, you know, I think that that scripture is applicable um, as well as a lot of things. And then just in general, not in the Bible, I think of just the saying, I don't know who, who quoted it first or who said it first, but there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Um, yeah, fear is often made up, you know, it's often something that we conjure up, you know, it doesn't often come from external things. It comes from inside. It's something inside of us that creates the fear of whatever the unknown, something you don't understand, something that can appear scary. And then once you start breaking down the layers of, okay, why is this actually scary? What is the actual problem? That's the sound mind part. And then you work through it and, you know, hopefully defeat it. One of my favorite, one of my favorite acronyms came from a girl who went to actually, because uh, me and uh, Kevin actually went to the same church uh, in Pontiac, Michigan. And um, uh, there is this girl there. And I'll never forget. She has said, fear, false evidence appearing real appearing real mm-hmm. and that that and yep. to this day I, I i that rings in my head every time i get scared mm-hmm. so yeah and and uh constance how about you uh do you have an opinion how on how it pertains to the bible you know i'm not a huge or usually religious person but I can tell you, it all relates to fear and the human mind for me. Mm -hmm. I do agree. I mean, fear can drive you into a point where you're not able to control yourself anymore. It almost drives you into insanity if you let it. Yeah. But it is the realization of, okay, wait a minute, stop. What am I truly scared of? What am I conjuring up that is keeping me from living? I mean, and sometimes it's not just what we conjure up. It's what other people conjure up. Uh, yeah, that, that's true too. Yeah. And you, if you think about, I mean, think about sickness. Think about like how people worry about their health all the time. About how, you know, how am I going to make it through the week? How much money am I going to have to keep up to keep my family going? It's not just fear like of the unknown. It is fear of everyday stuff, too. If you don't understand it, you're going to fear it. And that's what I take from this. 
the losers, as far as they go, they found at first, because if you noticed, it took forms of what they feared the most in the newer films. Okay. You had stand with that uh, picture of that woman, you know, you had, you know, and of course, Rishi being scared of clowns. So, I mean, it was just a straight up emotional fear that they were all seeing. And until they learned what it truly was and they overcame it, you won't truly ever be free of fear because it's like what my grandmother used to tell me. And it's one story that I will never forget. She, I used to be afraid of the dark when I was little. So one night she set me down and she goes, I'm going to tell you a story. She said, there was once a little girl who was left alone in her house all by herself at night. Her parents mm. had gone out and she hears a strange rocking chair down in the basement going back and forth, back and forth. So she goes downstairs and there is the devil with a light illuminating his face, just staring at her, grinning at her. Well, with the candle she had lit to go downstairs with, she goes, oh, it's just you. And blows up the candle, goes back upstairs. And she had told me that story. And to this day, every time I do get scared of something, I think about rationally what I'm getting scared of. So for this, it, it all goes back to fear. We all have to notice what we fear and we have to find a way to overcome it because if we don't it's going to rule our lives for the rest of what we live out and we won't be able to live that's, that's so I true do. that is so true and and you know and, and you're right it does uh mm -hmm. center in on our fears very much so and um but uh, i mean and and like jamola was saying you know God has not given. Yeah, you know, uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear, and He wants us to um, align our thoughts with His thoughts. You know, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus. You know, He came in the flesh. You know, uh, to to deal with the devil. You know. And that's what he's gonna do, and and he uh, somehow sometimes he does it through us. Well, not sometimes, all the time he does it through us. So you know. So. Well, Richard, what do you um uh, if you have an opinion at all? If you don't, it's totally fine. Uh, but right. how do you uh, I think it pertains? I think we're gonna turn this one over to. Uh... Okay. I think I think she's got something to say because I tried to look up some <laughs> about good and evil. There wasn't a heck of a lot. There's certainly not pertaining to killer clowns. Oh, well, of course not. <laughs> not too much in the Torah about killer clowns. I'm going to turn this one over to my daughter. Uh, yes, yes, oh, sir. Uh, I was just um and um and it, it's not actually um in the Torah. It's a uh, different text but it, it does it, it, it's um uh jewish mm -hmm. um it actually just passed this wednesday it's called um purim and um so basically um 
very um very summarized there was this um guy and he was the king's advisor and he was like hey these these jews they're different from us let's kill them um and he had this whole plan set up a date to do it and everything and then um there was a girl and um she became the king's uh wife they call it queen yeah the queen and um she um it turned out she was jewish and she found out about this plan and um she told the king hey hey um this guy want your advisor wants to kill all of my people and then the king was like well that's not good and he ended up um hanging the guy instead Haman. and um yeah and, and <laughs> i it, know the story a very, um backwards holiday in a lot of ways because it, it's a lot about laughing at what you um at what you fear um like um whenever um the story is read um whenever Haman's name is said everyone um boos it um makes noises and stuff to drown out the noise just because you know it, 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 it's Very just well a tradition it's just a tradition and, and it's all about just laughing and um laughing at the things you you are afraid of like this guy you know coming to kill all the jews and you know it's it's just like it how like um the the main way to defeat him is to you know not be afraid of him to laugh at him to be like hey you know you're you're doing this but i know yeah. <laughs> um yeah well, that's um because um with the Jews, I know um Haman wanted to hang the Jews just because um um oh my goodness who um the it, Queen Esther Esther right Esther did not want or her uncle would not bow for him he said no i'm not gonna bow because i only bow to god and you are not god and so and so uh esther's uncle disobeyed you know haman so haman yeah. wanted to you know get rid of all the jews and i i guess um you could um kind of compare that to it because it just really wanted to hurt all the children in dairy and not just the children the adults too for basically no reason at all they were there <laughs> was basically and, it and then the, the only way to defeat him is you know to laugh at him which again is very like from how you you're, well yeah uh, the, the whole thing is laughing at the villain yeah uh, uh, that, that, that's how they uh, that's how they wrapped it up in in 
in the movie anyway. That yeah, they wrapped it up that same way. They just kind of laughed at him and, and insulted him. And as they did that, he you know he got very small, you know, very small in stature. So yeah, yeah. And Constance, how about you? How does um, oh, I already, I already went to you, girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> I already went to you, and um, I already went to Jamela too. And she, um, Jamela, um, got off here. It's probably late where she is too. So, <laughs> well, well, guys, I don't have any other questions, but I do have five fun facts to share. Uh, I'm going to try to hurry as we are way past my time. <laughs> but um, um, the first fun fact I have is on the DVD commentary, uh, on the DVD commentary track, the actors and actresses note that Tim Curry's characterization of Pennywise was so creepy and realistic that everyone avoided him during filming. Big shock there. Uh, right? <laughs> you all taste so much better when you were afraid. <laughs> and my son fact number two is Alice Cooper was considered for the role of Pennywise. No kidding. Yes. Oh, the Coop? Really? Yep. And yep, Mr. Cooper himself. Um, my fun fact number three is the adult actors and actresses have to be uh, careful what they touched during the sewer scenes because the place was so rusty, there was a very real danger of tetanus infection. Because of, because of that, it was not a fun scene to film. Um, my fun fact number four is... And and we um actually we actually went over this. Your kids actually went over this, uh, Richard. Um, in the novel, two of the children have connections to other Stephen King's characters. Mike Hanlon's father served in the army with Dick Halloran, the cook from The Shining, and Eddie Kasprick was also friends with a young Paul Sheldon, who as an adult was the protagonist in misery yes he was i i do remember that actually i i didn't think about it but i do remember them saying that and my fun fact number five the last fun fact is um uh and you guys are not going to believe this but tim curry has suffered a debilitating case of calrophobia which is fear a fear of clowns. Fear of clowns, yep. Almost all of his life. His contract explicitly stated that while on set, there were to be no reflective surfaces within sight of him while he was in makeup. And a makeup tech was very nearly fired for having a makeup mirror in his hand while Curry was having his makeup done, he must have he must have loved that scene in uh, chapter one of uh, the movie where I think it was Richie went into that room and that's all you saw was oh, right, right. Oh, I'm wow. sure, I'm sure Tim Curry just 
uh, stayed away from that scene. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe it had something to do with um, the laughing at what you fear thing. Like maybe you took up the role because he wanted to face his fears, you know, in himself. Maybe. Yeah, that would have been good. That that would have that would have made sense actually. Uh, I'm not too That's sure if he's still afraid of clowns or, or not. <laughs> and now we move on to the cast and crew that has passed on. Um, uh, we um, uh, when I had did uh, part one uh, with Constance and Jamila, we uh, we went over over you know some of the deaths. Um, uh, Harry Anderson, who plays Rich, adult Richie. I forgot about that. Yes, yes. Um, uh, he passed away April 16th, 2018. Uh, John Ritter played the adult Ben Hanscom. He passed away September 11th, 2003. Uh, Jonathan Brandis, who plays young Bill Zendro, who passed away uh, on no, uh, November 12, 2003. And then um, for um, the second part, um, oh, I'm so, sorry, um, Florence Florence Patterson, who plays Mrs. Kirsch. Uh, she died July 23, 1995. Um, she's um, from the second part of it. And then um, Tom Heaton, who plays Mr. King, he passed away January 1st, 2018. Uh, he was 77 years old. Uh, Mrs. Kirsch was 67 years old. Or, or, I'm sorry, Florence Patterson, who plays Mrs. Kirsch, was 67 years old when she passed away. And then uh, Alan S. Epstein, he was the execu executive producer. He passed away January 30th, 2001. And Richard Lederman, he was the cinema cinemographer. He died uh, July 19th, 2005, at the age of 70. And then uh, David Blingstead, he was the film editor. Uh, he, he died January 13th, 2005, and he was 68. And then there was another film editor that also passed, uh, Robert F. Um, Shugru. He died on November 27th, 1999, and he was 62 years old. And now we move on to Mark Gruber's reaction. And I think I only got one. I only had one um, tonight. I, I had asked um, the group, um, my, my horror movie warriors group, um, uh, who, who their favorite loser was. Uh, as a child and as an adult. And uh, the only, um, uh, I think the only answer I got was from um, uh, Katie Craig, who I who I actually went to school with during uh, fifth and sixth grade. We were really good friends and we really had a crush on Jonathan Brandis. And that was her, <laughs> that was her favorite character, of course. So, uh, but um, there you have it, folks. We have come to the end of my podcast. I want to thank all of my guests. I want to thank my uh, my guest guests. 
<laughs> uh, Richard's kids, Lily, and I, I forget your son's name. What's your son's name? Jonah. Jonah, yes. Jonah, jo Jonah and Lily, thank you guys for uh, participating in the podcast and, and actually answering my, you guys did so well. Thank you. <laughs> and Constance, as always, it's always a pleasure with you, girl. Constance is actually one of my admins for my group page. Um, and uh, Kevin and Jamela in their absence. Jamela um, has left the building as well. Uh, but um, uh, I, I thank all of you guys so much for doing this. And I am sorry that it took, it, 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 it's almost 10 o'clock here. So I know it's almost 11 o'clock your time, Richard. I'm, I'm so very sorry. We went way over time. But we had a great time doing it. <laughs> we had a great time doing it. So, uh, but, um, well, next week, guys, I am going to be um, discussing Big Trouble in Little China. I know it's not a real, it's not really a horror movie or anything like that, but it has like supernatural elements in it. So I, I thought that it counted. <laughs> I thought that it counted. So, um, but, um, uh, I will be discussing that with Nathan Della, uh, Tracy Allen, uh, Justin Boring, and Lance Wagner. I'm going to be discussing that with them next week. So um, that should be a great discussion, too. So, uh, guys, um, listeners, if you're still with us, <laughs> I thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed our conversation. We enjoyed having the conversation. So until next week, this has been Latrice Carter, uh, Constance Goodrich, and Richard Moyland and his kids. And we'll, we will talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.